0: Welcome, my friends. Today we embark on yet another episode of Biblical Doctrine, and again, one that helps us to construct the whole of the Christian worldview. The Biblical truth of this doctrine leads us to the knowledge that it has literally corrupted every aspect of human life. It is all-inclusive, inescapable, and at its core is unbelief. We're going to tackle the doctrine of sin. I'm Pastor Will Huntsaker, and you are listening to Brand of Man. Building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. Not through the agencies of man, but by the grace of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you today in absolute humility. We ask that you clear our thoughts and put aside all our preconceived notions of sin so that we may know your word in its fullness, so that you may keep us from the temptation of sin and the work of the evil one. So how does the Bible characterize sin? Well, in in both Hebrew and Greek, so both the Old Testament and the New Testament, characterize sin as a thought or deed that misses the mark. Now, this seems a pretty general statement, as the mark could virtually be anything. However, in this case, the mark is the pathway upon which God has set us to live our lives. From the Apostle Paul for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 now this is the point where the foundation of our faith becomes very important in the doctrine of sin as we just read the apostle paul's statement God created us for good works so that we would walk in those good works. This is the whole course of our life. Again, from the Apostle Paul. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1, chapter, or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. So we're expected to live a certain way. Now we are confronted with an important question concerning sin. Who do we believe God to be? Because he's the one that expects us to live a certain way. Now, our entire first season was dedicated to this question and the nature of God. If our view of God is very high, if we believe him to be sovereign, almighty, outside of all limitations in space and time, a pure being, as the Bible describes, a being that expects us to live our lives in comparison to him, if that is our view of God, then any act causing us to turn aside from him, namely sin, becomes a very serious matter. In contrast, if we have a low opinion of God as an impure being and one that is imperfect, a, a grandfatherly type, the old man in the sky who winks at sin, well, then our condition becomes less serious. However, the Bible places God at the pinnacle of all reality and perfect. From the Apostle Matthew. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew chapter 5 verses verse 48. Now we know we have a corrupted state in which we live. So in addition, the Bible characterizes sin. As a state of total disorder from the Apostle John. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. The Apostle Paul emphasized that sin was not just an occasional misdeed in contrast to God's will, but it is also a continuing problem of separation from his will and one to which we are all guilty. In his epistle to the Romans, Paul writes this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23. That's pretty descriptive. Now, this verse from Romans brings us to another critical component of the doctrine of sin, as we all fall short of the glory of God. Just as it is critical to know the nature of God, it is also significant to understand the role of mankind in sin. If mankind's role is to represent the likeness of God, then we will be judged by his standards and not in comparison to other humans. We make a very big mistake there we will be judged by God's standards because he is the standard of what is sinless. Jesus emphasized this point in addressing a young ruler with a question about eternal life from the gospel according to Mark. As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Again, not only descriptive of where our view of God should be, but very definitive. No one is good except God alone. Jesus simply stated, what we determine to be good is irrelevant. God alone is the standard of what is good. This statement by Jesus is likely one of his greatest teaching moments, and one most people read right over. This teaching alone can answer any question concerning sin and put any Christian at ease. As to the role they play. So, our view of God and the role of man greatly influences the doctrine of sin, our beliefs regarding sin. The most common element coursing through all the various definitions concerning the nature of sin is simply this unbelief. Unbelief is at the root of our failure to fulfill God's will. Now, I hear you. Many of you are out there right now thinking, wait a second, I believe. I don't have a problem with unbelief. Well, okay, then why do you still sin? It's not a question of belief in general. It's absolute confidence in that that belief. The Greek word for belief, and this is important, Because we don't have a direct translation all the time for a Greek word. Because they often mean more than we attach our English words meaning to. So the Greek word for believe is pistuo. So it means more than just acknowledging something exists. It has very deep meaning. It also means to have complete trust in that belief. It means to have complete uncompromising faith. Now that's a tall order, heavy lift. No one. According to Paul and every other writing in in the Bible, no one this side of glory, no one this side of glory has that uncompromising faith, which is why we still sin. This is the role of mankind. We must keep God. This is our obligation to keep God in the right perspective. The Bible is very clear. Mankind is in a state of total depravity due to sin from the fall. Now, now it's not to say that we are as bad as we could ever be. We do good things, but not consistently. No one does. Instead, total depravity emphasizes that sin has infiltrated every aspect of our being. Everything. Everything you could think of, sin has infiltrated it making it impossible for us to be sinless. So what you might think is good isn't always consistently that way. Okay. So as a result of this total depravity, the doctrine of salvation is viewed, okay, as man's total depravity, stay with me. The doctrine of salvation is viewed at the top of God's grace, Because we are unable to not sin. So God's grace is at the pinnacle of our salvation through Christ. A point that we'll explore in a later episode. But for now, I want you to take any sin, any sin you can think of, and think about it. And you will quickly realize that at its core, At its deepest point, most simple point, is unbelief. You will realize that for a fraction of a second, or even shorter, our belief, our faith, is compromised, and we sin. This is very, very humbling, but nevertheless, a biblical truth. And it affects us all. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve believed Satan over God. From the Apostle Paul. Whatever is not from faith is sin. I'll read that to you again. This is from the book of Romans. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Romans 14 verse 23. So, so far... We have seen the biblical truth of sin as being any transgression from the will of God. In addition, the fundamental source of all sin is unbelief. No matter how much we don't want to accept that, that is the fundamental source of sin because it's a transgression from the will of God. It takes great humility for the Christian to admit that. This is why we are at our best, at our very best, sinners in desperate need of a Savior. That's at our best. Very humbling and very liberating. Now, let's take a look at some of the effects of sin, because this is important on how we view it. At the top of the list is how sin places us on the wrong side of God it significantly affects our relationship with him. Just read Genesis 3 and what happened to Adam and Eve after they disobeyed God. See what happened to them. If that's not convincing enough, the entire narrative of the Bible illustrates how Israel's relationship with God was altered severely due to their disobedience. So sin puts us on the wrong side of God. Another effect is how our individual sins affect others. This is from the prophet Ezekiel. He said, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and the needy. Thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50. We actually see many contemporary examples of this as well. Coming to light in various forms of prejudice against another gender or race or a social status, poor, wealthy. You live over here, you live over there. Or even religion. The effects of sin are all too often very widespread another significant effect of sin is maybe and maybe the most significant is a moral and spiritual imprisonment leading eventually to death this is from james the brother of jesus but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. In other words, sin enslaves the sinner unto itself. You become a slave to sin. A good biblical example of this is from 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you're familiar with that. Or King David, a man after God's own heart. He commits adultery with a gal named Bathsheba. Instead of repenting, afterwards, David attempts to conceal the adultery with murder. Sin builds upon sin. We can also read in Genesis chapter 4 how Cain, after murdering his brother, lied to God in an attempt to conceal it. So we become slaves to sin as one builds upon the other. We become reluctant to even face reality. We deny our sin, and not always completely, as we often acknowledge the sin but refuse any responsibility. Sin often clouds our ability for even self-reflection we become all too willing to offer correction to others while ignoring our own sin against god this these are from the words of jesus why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye matthew chapter 7 verse 3 sin also magnifies our greed into unhealthy desires, again, leading to even more sin. Again from James, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members, and the parts of your body? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James 4, verses 1 and 2. In addition, the sin of greed significantly affects our ability to show compassion and concern for others. The most significantly, sin affects our ability to love. Folks, sin is a very serious matter for Christians. Very serious. And it affects not only have consequences in real time, but also consequences eternally. Sin has a considerable connection with our view of God and the obedience of mankind. We can't ignore that. It's all over scripture. God is the standard for what is sinless, and we belong to him. He directs believers to be living sacrifices to him to be holy and acceptable to him, to which is our obligation. From the Apostle Paul, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We are not to conform to this world in sin but to be transformed as one regenerated by God. Again from Paul in the very next verse, and do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Folks, we are the Lord's. And no human reason of sin will change that biblical truth. Again from Paul. For not one of us lives for himself. Not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. It was John Calvin that wrote this. For just as there is nothing which leads to ruin and destruction more surely than self-satisfaction, so also the only haven of salvation is to cease to be wise in oneself and to want nothing on one's own account but simply to follow the Lord. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Folks, we are continually delighted that you join us in these biblical truths. Truths that place the gospel of God on full display and form the foundation upon which Christians are to view the world. If you have not subscribed yet, we encourage you to do so and encourage others as you will continue to receive the word of God each and every week. God bless you all. Now, next week on Brand a Man, we will discuss the Bible teaching concerning the most contested set of beliefs of Christianity. We will attempt to summarize the doctrine of Christ.